The Last Word with Matt Cooper. And you're welcome back to The Last Word. It's Culture Club time and our newest member is the writer Fergus Cronin. Fergus' debut book is a collection of short stories called Night Music and it was released in March and it has been praised from everybody from Richard Ford, who was a guest on the show a few weeks ago, to Joseph O'Connor. So you're in great company, Fergus. Thanks, Ian. Yeah, it's 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 really lovely to see all those responses and um, it, it I hope it enthuses the public to buy the book from Derek. Pressing and all good bookshops. <laughs> Great plug. This is your first collection of short stories, and you've been a writer for a number of years now, and you've been involved in the art scene around the country for some time. But your background is originally in business. Well, I, 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 in the back in the sixties, or in the seventies, I qualified as a chemical engineer. Uh, this seems a very long time ago, um, and I kind of immediately put that to one side and. Uh, I worked in the 70s at, a new, at numerous occupations, including some theatre. So I encountered the arts at a very early stage of my development. Uh, I was also great friends with uh, people from the 70s who were involved in the music scene. So I had a lot of connection in that world. Um, but by the end of the 70s, I needed a job. So I found the engineering degree. Uh, I took myself down to Kilkenny and Cork for interviews and was offered two jobs. I picked the one in Kilkenny uh, and I spent 25 years there in working for a... A, um, an engineering company, uh, the last 15 years of which I was managing director. So it was a pretty kind of full on and time consuming and I have to say rewarding, uh, 25 years. And it did allow you to get involved in that area in some of the best known arts festivals in the country. It did. Um, I, I latterly, uh, became involved with the Kilkenny Arts Festival. I, I was on the board of that for a number of years. I was chairman and, uh, I instigated some changes there. Uh, and still take a fond interest in how that is um, all developing and moving. And I have great friends, um, uh, made great friends, and still have great great friends with people over in the Galway Arts Festival. Paul Fahey there, um, Paul Fahey, the artistic director, and John Crumlish, the managing director, good friends of mine. And their festival is coming up very shortly. So um, I'll be there. And then you went back, I mean, somebody to go back after a career in business, to go back into education, to further your career as a writer. Yeah, I I managed, uh, luckily, to retire from the engineering career uh, in 2000, the early 2000s. Things just found my way. I'd done my work, we'd sold the company, and I had done my work for the new owner, and it was time to move on. And um, I I picked up where I left off in the 70s with a lot of things, theatre, did some theatre shows. I have a great friend of mine, Art O'Brien, we did Crap's Last Tape together. Uh, I did work for One City, One Book in Dublin, reading the stories from Dubliners. I did a show with a friend of mine, uh, Professor uh, uh, Dermot Diamond. We did a show, The Science of Flann O'Brien, and various other things. And then I had picked up the writing. I'd been reading a lot and I picked up the writing and uh, in 2013 I signed up for a master's in Trinity College in the Oscar Wilde Centre and I completed that with a, an MPhil degree in creative writing uh, but th- that helped me continue the writing and helped me focus and the book is a culmination of stories I've been writing from that time and since so it's a selection of 
numerous stories that I have written and with this particular collection is a selection from those stories. We'll get into the book in a little bit more detail. Let's bring you back to your childhood and let's pick out some of your cultural treasures from your childhood, some of your best, some of the songs you've loved, some of the albums, some of the gigs you've seen and we'll get into your TV and movie picks as well. But bring us back very start to the first single you bought and I think it is a single back then. It was uh, 1962, I think. You can um, remember it. Puts my age in uh, <laughs> on the table. I've no worries about that. I'm not an ageist. I, I think young, feel young, and observe things young. But yes, um, Beatles, of course, uh, the Beatles. I'd been given a gift of a Jim Reeves record before that, but I can't remember what it was called. But this this was the first one I went out and bought. I was 12. And uh, I had aspirations to be a drummer in those days, so I also bought some drums. And uh, I used to listen to uh, jazz drummers, Art Blakey and people like that. And I went to drum school in the Municipal College in Dublin uh, with a, a very severe drum teacher who <laughs> who wasn't at all enamoured by the um, by the current trends, shall we say, in music. So uh, he used to tell me that uh, all this pop music, he said, there's a school up in Wicklow where they're dressing them up in all these crazy outfits and they're jigging around and dancing and they don't know what they're doing with the music. So we used to keep his foot on my foot as we as I played the drums in case I, I developed a proclivity for bass drum or um, hi-hat manipulation, which he didn't want at all. So that put me off drumming. It was like having bound feet as a man. But, um, so, but I kept at it. Uh, I kept the drums. And you know something? I'd still like to be a drummer. <laughs> well, your pick was, your first single was Beatles, Love Me Do, and let's have a listen. doing the Culture Club in 20, 30 decades on, we'd still be listening to a song like that. I think so. Um, I mean, the, the Beatles stayed with me right through the 60s. I kind of ended up as kind of a Stones guy. And then in, in the early 1970s, I abandoned my love for pop music entirely. Why was that? Uh, it was something to do with Gary Glitter. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I rediscovered it back in the, oh God, it was the late 80s before I came back to it. And I had to retrospectively find the good music from all that period. But uh, when I say I was pop music, I abandoned, uh, abandoned and rock music. I, there was also a sort of a something about the whole world of rock music that had been commercialised and, and um, uh, that... 
caused me a degree of resistance. Now, I, I was wrong about a lot of it, but uh, there was enough of it there to say, go off and go back to the folk and go back to the traditional music where I could... But I believed I could trust what I was listening to. Yes, tell us about your favourite album. I've never heard of this band before myself. Um, well, my favourite album was from that juncture, uh, Scarab Bray. Um, Scarab Bray were a, a quartet of, um, three of them are family members, Mairead and Trina and Michal Nigona, and uh, I think Dahi Sproul. Yeah, Dahi Sproul was the fourth member. They were... From the Gaeltacht in Ranafast in County Mead, or sorry, in County Mead, but they had connections with Ranafast in County Donegal. So they're kind of Donegal people. I've had the pleasure of meeting Trina and um, Mairead. Unfortunately, Michal is no longer with us, but Trina and Mairead in, in recent months, uh, I've gotten to know them through family connections. But that album was so pure, and it, it's the only album they made. And it is so pure in terms of its uh, presentation of uh, the the true kind of fo- songs from the folklore tradition of Ireland. That I and I learned how to sing one of the songs was Cadish Indentation. I don't pronounce that properly now, like a good uh, Gaelgor, Donegal Gaelgor particularly. But uh, that song was one of my party pieces for a number of years, and I just loved the album. There was other songs on it. Um, Cathy was it Kathleen Og and uh, and Sue and Three uh, and Colleen Rua. Um, there was there was beautiful songs in that album, and it's still something I go back and listen to when I get the opportunity. Well, let's hear on Colleen Rua by Scarra Rua from the nineteen seventy one album. <laughs> Now that is on Colin Rua by Scarrua. That is your favourite album. But let's move on to your favourite band. You've picked a good seventies choices here. You've picked. Yeah, uh, on on the sort of at the end of my pop kind of experience, my rock experience. I beg your pardon. I got into a little bit of prog rock with Pink Floyd, and. I adored Pink Floyd when I heard them first. The the experimentation, the you know, the use of technology, but the the sort of the 
genuineness of the sound. It seemed, it seemed to represent something in its tone to me that was almost the end of an era. Uh, maybe that's all me casting back there retrospectively on it but um, I, I love the Pink Floyd um, um, uh, so I uh, there was also a sadness kind of around it and the sadness was the damage that that Decade had done to people. Pearl Sid Barrett um, kind of lost his mind, I suppose we could say. And a lot of the career of that band was reflecting on that and trying to move on from that. But, but they did so with, with wonderful musical skills. So anything by the Pink Floyd. And the other band that I, from that period, which I've been listening to an awful lot recently, is Fairport Convention. Um, again, some retrospective knowledge of tragedy in that band. And uh, Sandy Denny's voice, to me, is something that always, always, the purity of that voice and, and the, the, the purity of the songs in that tradition um, is something that I could listen to for hours and hours. Where's all the time go? All those, all those wonderful well, fathering let's, gay. Let's get a bit, a bit of Pink Floyd in. And this okay. is Comfortably Numb from The Wall. favourite gigs I'm sure there have been many you've seen over the years have you really have you been able to narrow it down not not that many believe it or not Ian Um, I was at a Pink Floyd gig in 1971 in London uh, which which was memorable but my 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 all time favourite gig was the uh, Leonard Cohen now there was two Leonard Cohen gigs one was the tribute gig to him which was part of the Dublin Theatre Festival which had numerous uh, contributors I think he was kind of on his uppers at that time and they were trying to get him back going again, raising some money. But that was wonderful. That was down at the point. But the best, without any doubt, was the uh, one in Kilmainham. I saw that on a very rainy night, and I didn't notice the rain. Here was this man that I had listened to in the 60s, uh, singing Suzanne from that Greek, uh, I imagined him on a Greek island, in love. And it was my first experience of watching somebody being in love on a, on a record. So when I saw him that night in Kilmainham, it brought me 
me back to that and the quality of his performance as an older man, let's put it that way, and the the magnificence of the musicians around him and the backing vocals was just something that knocked my socks off. And, uh, well, we sadly don't have any clips from those gigs at Kilmainham Jail, but we have Kilmainham Jail, but we do have a clip from him, and that was in Dublin in 2013. And this is "Dance Me to the End of Love" from Leonard Cohen. Thanks so much, friends. Dublin almost a decade ago. Fergus Cronin is our guest in the Culture Club this evening. He's sticking with us to take us through all of his movie and book and TV show picks. Well, he'll be with us still after the break. And you're welcome back to The Last Word. It's Culture Club time and Fergus Cronin, the writer, is with us in studio. Fergus, we've been going through all of your musical choices there in the last few minutes, but let us take us through your some of your movie picks that you've enjoyed over the years. Yeah, well, my... my Favourite movie of all time is a Russian movie called uh, Andrei Rublev. And my favourite film director of all time is the director of that movie, Andrei Tarkovsky. Uh, I, I was lucky to see those movies for the first time in real time, yeah, on proper projection equipment in Thomastown and Kilkenny when I lived there. There was a, a man called John Baraldi brought them over from directly from Moscow with, the, with, with all the... Um, uh, projection equipment and everything and showed all the Tarkovsky films every Tuesday night in sequence so Solaris Mirror um, Sacrifice all those movies but my favourite was Andrew Rublev and I subsequently purchased a copy which I got back to in all time it's based in medieval times of which I'm fa- at, at, just at the beginning beginning of the renaissance times just at the end of medieval times a period I'm fascinated with but my of of the most and and, and the two are linked my, my, my choice for modern movie is on Colleen Kuhn and the reason I choose it not just because it's Irish and because it's recent because it was renowned because it obeys one of the great Tarkovsky kind of tenets take your time with the camera 
take your time telling the story. Allow time and space to develop within the movie. And that's what made it, to my mind, on Colleen Kuhn, beautiful. On the basis, of course, of a wonderful story by Claire Keegan Foster. And it is with Carrie and Andrew and the rest of the, Andrew Bennett and Carrie Crowley and the rest of the cast. Uh, the director, whose name just escapes me. Colin Barade. And Colin we spoke Barade. to him here on the show a couple did of times. And he's Colin. a wonderful guy. Well, he did an amazing job with that movie. And there's a sort of a, there's something there for movie uh, makers to contemplate. Uh, take your time with the camera. The, the the visual content can tell itself almost, you know. But anyway, that's why I love that movie. But um, Well, let's uh, have a listen. Let's yeah. have a little listen to Carrie Crowley and Catherine Lynch in On Colleen Tune. That's on Colleen Kuhn, a great yeah. film, and it's unfortunately didn't win that Oscar. Now, I'm going to imagine that it's very hard for you, who has brought festivals to Ireland and theatre festivals and theatre companies to Ireland, to pick your favourite show you've seen over the years. Well, I've seen many, many versions of this show, translations, and uh, with due respect to all the Irish um, uh, directors who have directed that show, my, my great friend and late friend Art O'Brien directed the very first production up in um, at Guildhall in Derry. But my most recent exposure to that show or to that play was in the Abbey the other night, uh, last week, um, when the Ukrainian theatre company brought translations to the Abbey and it opened up that play in an unimaginable way. It opened up the language, it opened up the tragedy and it opened up the the monumental um, uh, nature of the conflict within that play uh, the culture clashes within that play Now the Ukrainians had their own reason for loving that because of what they're involved in at the moment but leaving that aside the genius of the writing uh, was exposed. And I think it was exposed because the play was in, was uh, performed in Ukrainian with uh, English subtitles. So it gave a, it gave a sort of a, an extra element to understanding the plays all about difference in culture and difference in language. So it gave an extra element to that or removed an extra element. I'm not quite sure. I'm still thinking about it. But what it did was it, 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 put front and centre the writing and the quality of the writing. The performances in the that production were stripped back without any characterization. So it was yeah. beautiful. Well, let's give people a little trailer from the Abbey production of Translations by Brian Friel. English, I suggested, couldn't really express us. We should all be learning to speak English. The old language is a barrier to modern progress. What's incorrect about the place names that we have here? Words are signals. They're not immortal. 
That is the trailer from the Abbey production of Translations by Brian Friel. Let's move on to your favourite authors and books. I'd imagine this is very hard to narrow down over the years and I suppose different types as a short story writer to go into books and also flick between the two genres. Yeah, well, my my earliest exposure to serious reading was the um, probably reading the American canon of the 50s, the Kerouac and Burroughs, but it was when I discovered the Russian writers when I was in my late teens um, uh, the Russian writers Turgenev, Tolstoy uh, Dostoevsky that I, my, my, my eyes opened to the quality of literature and I've always always gone back to there for inspiration Chekhov's short stories will be the ones I'd read um, so when when I'm thinking writing, I go back there for comfort. When I'm thinking reading, I go back there for comfort for enjoyment. Um, but there are modern writers then that have, to my mind, built on those the quality of those um, of that work. And um, one of those is Richard Ford, um, who I happen to be quite friendly with. Um, ah, so that's how he's on the book jacket. Well, I, I don't think Richard would be on the book jacket because he was a friend. I, and I had no dealings with him on that. But, I mean, he has always encouraged me in writing. Uh, and I'm very lucky to, to have that encouragement. But, um, no, Richard, Richard, Richard's, the quality of Richard's work um, in, in the representation of the vastness that is America compares with the vastness that is Russia in the other writers. And I, I know he'd, he'd, I hope he'd take that as a compliment. And his, his, his best known books are the Frank Bascom books, which Matt had him on, on the show just a couple of weeks ago talking about the latest installment often. But you've chosen the sports writer, and I've read all these books, and I actually... I think Independence Day was the best of the Frank Bascom books, but you've chosen The Sports Rider by Richard Ford, and we're going to have a little teaser from it, narrated by William Hope. A police car is murmured in through the gate, stopped, cut its lights and placed me under surveillance. I saw a match flare briefly inside the car, saw the policeman's face looking at a clipboard. At the far end of the new part, a small deer gazes at me where I wait. Now and then its yellow tapetums blink out of the dark toward the old part, where the trees are larger and where three signers of the Declaration of Independence are buried inside of my son's grave. My next-door neighbors, the DeFays, are playing tennis, calling their scores in hushed, polite, early-morning voices. Sorry. Thanks. Forty love. Puck. 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 Add to you, dear. Yes, thank you. Yours. Puck. Puck. I hear their harsh, thrashing nose breaths, their feet scraping. They are into their eighties and no longer need sleep, and so are up at all hours. They have installed glowless barium sulfur lights that don't shine in my yard and keep me awake. And we have stayed good neighbors, if not close friends. I have nothing much in common with them now and am invited to few of their or anyone else's cocktail parties. People in town are still friendly in a distant way and I consider them fine people, conservative, decent. And that is Richard Ford's The Sports Rider. I could go back to The Sports Rider and Independence Day every year. They're just so wonderful books they, they are. They are. Let's, let's go through And Richard's that. a wonderful short story writer. Exactly, exactly. Story. Let's go on now to your TV pick. So what, over the years, what have you liked? Well, I think the first TV show I ever remember, I think, was 
living with Lucy um, or the monkeys then in the late 60s. Well, Lucille Ball, which probably Lucille. not too familiar to many of our listeners. Yeah, no, no, that's true. Um, and then, of course, the monkeys later in the 60s and uh, all, all through the 70s. Watch television. Le- watch less television, 70s, 80s. You know, but recently I've, like a lot of other people, I've come and been become enamored with uh, Scandi Noir, um, the bridge and all those, the killing. Um, but succession, um, oh, despite, we all love that despite now, its, you know, its universal acclaim is a wonderful, was a wonderful piece of television. But, um, I suppose comedy is for a go and intelligent comedy is what I like. Um, so going back to, yeah, I'm throwing throw my mind back over 30 years or so, Monty Python's Flying Circus. And could, let's could, ha- could you ever beat that? John I know. Please? And let's have John Cleese and Michael Palin in the argument sketch from Monty Python's Flying Circus. Yes, sir. I'd like to have an argument, please. Certainly, <laughs> Have you been here before? No, this is my first time. I see. Do you want to have uh, the full argument, or were you thinking of taking a course? Well, uh, what would be the cost? Well, yes, it's five. It's one pound for a five-minute argument, but only eight pounds for a course of ten. Hmm. Well, I think it's probably best if I start with the one and see how it goes from there. Okay. Fine. I'll see who's free at the moment. Uh, Mr. Dubake is free, but he's a little bit conciliatory. Mm. Yes, sir. <laughs> Try Mr. Barnard, room twelve. Thank you. <clears throat> is this the right room for an argument? I've told you once. <laughs> no, you haven't. Yes, I have. When? Just now. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Didn't. I did. I didn't. I'm telling you, I did. You did not. I'm oh, sorry, is this a five-minute argument or the full half hour? <coughs> oh, oh, just the five-minute one. Fine. <laughs> ah, thank you. Anyway, I did. You most certainly did not. Now, let's get one thing quite clear. <laughs> I most definitely told you. You did not. Yes, I did. You did not. Yes, I did. Didn't. Yes, I did. Didn't. Yes, I did. No, this is an argument. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. It's just contradiction. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. It is not. It is. You just contradicted me. No, I didn't. Oh, you did. No, 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 no. You did just no, then. No, no, nonsense. Oh, look, this is futile. No, it isn't. I came here for a good argument. No, you didn't. You came here for an argument. <laughs> well, an argument's not the same as contradiction. Can be. No, it can't. An argument's a connected series of statements to establish a definite proposition. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. It isn't just contradiction. Look, if I argue with you, I must take up a contrary position. But it isn't just saying, no, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. <laughs> Argument's an intellectual process. Contradiction is just the automatic game saying of anything the other person says. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. Not at all. <laughs> no, look. I... Thank you. <laughs> that is Monty Python's Flying Circus. Just briefly remind us, we always ask people of their cultural buried treasure. You told us it is a film, and just remind us of it. Andrei Rublev by Andrei Tarkovsky. Um, a, a film... From a, a, an, an era that I'm absolutely fascinated with, pre-enlightenment, post the medieval dark ages. Okay, well, Fergus McFronan, I hope people do check that out. Fergus Cronin, author of Night Music, thank you very much for joining us. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today and-